Amen, amen. How's everyone doing? Come on, you guys can do better than that. How's everyone doing this morning? I'm really proud of you this morning because if any morning I would have slept in, it would have been this Sunday with all the rain we had, and I'm sure your bed was extra comfortable this morning. How many of you had an extra comfortable bed this morning? All right, so I want to give you a round of applause because you guys have chosen out of love for your church and love for God to be in church today. But before we get started, God, let's just pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for gathering us today. I thank you, Lord, for everything that you're doing in our church, for everything you're doing in our lives. And I just pray, God, that you would bless today's word as we get ready to just learn this powerful scripture, God. Help us to understand it, to apply it to our lives, and use me today to speak your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So remain standing with me as we go to the book of Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7, beginning at verse 30. And this is what the Word of God says. Forty years later, in the desert near the mountain of Sinai, an angel appeared to Moses in the flame in a burning bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight, and he wanted to take a closer look. The voice of the Lord called out to him, I'm the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses shook with terror and did not dare look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groans and have come down to rescue them. Now, that's what I want you to pay attention to. Now go for I'm sending you back to Egypt. I hope this word blesses you this morning as we speak on the subject of that I've titled, Know, Grow, Go, and Show. Let me say that one more time. Know, grow, now go, and show. I'll explain everything in a minute. But you guys can have a seat as we get into the Word of God this morning. Know, grow, now go, and show. It may not make sense to you now, but when you think about the life of Moses, that's exactly the steps he needed to take in order for God to truly bless him and use him. And as Christians, we tend to want to be used by God, I hope, and we tend to want to know God more, and we want to be used by God and really experience the power of God. How many of you really want to experience God in your life? Honestly, show me your hands. How many of you are perfectly fine with just knowing, just knowing some information about Him, learning a few things at church, and kind of doing things on your own in your life? Maybe in church you're not going to say, I'm not about to confess to that, but the majority of people in the church and Christians have settled with just knowing about God, but not really growing and not really showing God and really not really experiencing the power of God's presence. When you look at Moses, it's easy to get caught up in Moses' life. Moses is one of the people that I look up to the most in the Bible because if anyone in the Bible experienced God the most was Moses. 
Because Moses literally saw the miracles of God take place before his eyes. Moses literally spoke to God, like the Bible says, like a friend speaks to another friend. Moses was so close to God that the Bible says that he even glowed, he was radiant, and people even saw that he'd been with the Lord. This is how close Moses was to God. And when you look at Moses' life and how he's leading millions of people and being used by God and experiencing the presence of God, it's easy to say, man, I really want that for my life. But I want to tell you that as I began to pray and think about this, Moses, in the book of Acts, I said, Moses didn't start that way. In fact, Moses started his journey with God by making a lot of mistakes. You see, Moses, he knew he was a Hebrew. He knew that he belonged to God, but he was living in Egypt, so he was between both worlds. And his mother, who was raising him in the palace, was indoctrinating him with the word of God. She kept teaching him the word of God. So Moses knew that he was a Hebrew. He knew he belonged to God, but he was surrounded by this pagan, ungodly culture. So Moses would learn about God and be in the world, learn about God and be around ungodliness. That's kind of the life that we're living in right now, wouldn't you say? We're learning about God, but then we go back to work, we go back to school, we go back to our normal lives, and it's pretty ungodly out there. But the Bible says that Moses, he knew that he was different. Moses knew that he was called. Somehow, I believe that Moses knew he was called to rescue the people of Israel. I know that Moses felt that because the Bible says one day Moses was walking and he saw a Hebrew being beaten and something in him said, I got to come to the rescue because Moses was always called by God to be a rescuer to the people of God. Just like you, you have a calling for your life. Since you were born, the Bible says, I knew you, I formed you. God already had a plan for you. So Moses felt that this is the time to really get my calling. This is the time to really walk in my destiny. So Moses murders the guy that was beating the Hebrew person, makes a mess of his life, becomes a fugitive, runs, escapes, leaves the palace, and he ruins his life completely. Here's a valuable lesson before we even continue this sermon. Sometimes like Moses... We think it's a better idea to take matters into our own hands. And like Moses, we tend to want to take control of our own lives. And Moses' best effort without God messed up his life. But Moses' effort with God, he was able to rescue millions. So Moses couldn't even rescue one person by himself. But he rescued millions with God. So if you want to see God in your life and truly experience him, you have to do life with God. But many of us think we can do life on our own and we're going to be okay. Let Moses be a reminder to us that when you choose to live a life apart from God, you're going to create a lot of problems. So Moses spent 40 years in the desert. I want you to understand something about this. If anyone could have felt like God was done with him was Moses. If anyone could have felt like he's made too many mistakes to be used by God was Moses. But God would take him through a process 
of 40 years to really begin to develop him into the man he was in the inside. God would take Moses through the process of 40 years. But those 40 years were difficult. Imagine being raised in a palace. Imagine having servants and at your becking call. Imagine having authority and power and influence. And all of a sudden, from one day to the next, you're herding sheep. And every day is the same thing. Routine. How many of you like routine? Some of us do. Some of us, we hate it. Moses got up, went outside, and there were the sheep. And all day till sundown, Moses walking with sheep. Come on, Billy, let's go. Susie, come on, don't do that, Susie. Leave, leave Billy alone, come on. Come on, Charlie, come on, Charlie, stop doing Charlie, come on, Charlie. Every day, walking sheep. Every day, feeding the sheep. Every day, taking care of the sheep. Every day. Forty years. Nothing's changed. Same old routine. Same old job. Same old issues, same old problems, nothing exciting. You ever feel like life's like that? Same old thing. See, there's something in us that says, man, life is supposed to be exciting and fun and adventurous and thrilling. No, it doesn't. Life is boring, life is a routine. And Moses was thrown into this routine. And, and in this excitement, desire for excitement, we tend to think, man, is God going to do something already? It's been a long time. For 40 years, he was bored. For 40 years, he had the same job. For 40 years, it was up at the same time, doing the same job, at home at the same time, going to bed at the same time, having the same dinner every night. That was the culture back then. And Moses had to have thought... This is my life. This is it. Nothing's going to change. It's never going to get better. I remember when I had the palace. I remember when I was someone. I remember when I had this. And now this is me. Let's go, Charlie. But what Moses didn't know was that that mundane job he didn't like that job that thought he thought he was better than, th those situations that he never had when he was a prince, he had no idea that all of that was a process to get Moses to his destiny, to get Moses to where he wanted him to be. See, before you go complaining about your life, it might be a process. 
Before you complain about someone in your life that God just put there and you don't know why they're there, it might be a process. Your job right now might be a process. That task you have right now might be a process. That situation you don't like right now might be a process. The boring things in your life might be a process. The mundane in your life might be a process. That routine you want so bad to change might be a process. And what if in the process you're complaining so much you're not actually being used by it. Preparing you. God does with every process. He's preparing you like he did Moses. He's maturing you like he did Moses. And it was finally after 40 years that God said, now, now, Go. And the doors opened. The opportunities came. The calling was there. And God did it all. But notice, God didn't say now 40 years ago. He said now 40 years after. Because God can only say now when you are spiritually in character and in morality ready. I know you don't like it. But you say, no, God, I want it now. And God says, I can't do it now. I'll do it when you're ready. And when you're ready, now go. Now go and have children. Now go and get married. Now go and take that position and that opportunity. Now go. Because if you go now too soon, you're going to mess up what God has called you to do. Because you ain't ready yet. You might think you're ready because you don't, you're saying, I'm mature. I'm not mature. I'm mature. I'm so mature. I'm mature. I'm ready to be used by God. I can do what Pastor David does. I'm still in the process. God, I want you to bless me now. And God says, I want to bless you, just not now. Let me illustrate this for you. But I was thinking about process. How many of you love process? Now, do you like the process to get your license renewed? You want a picture of hell? There it is. The process of getting a passport. Some of you don't like the process of going to work. No one likes process. We don't like the process of preparing a meal. We don't like the process of raising children. We don't like process, but process is necessary for progress. You understand? But what happens to us in the church is that we want to bypass the process and say, God, I want it now. Use me now. Bless me now. Give it to me now. But God cannot say now until he says, I need to get you ready. So the best way I can illustrate this is by this weird obsession since COVID for banana bread. How many have that obsession with banana bread lately? I know it's weird, but banana bread was the most Googled search recipe since COVID. Fun fact. And I started looking at the recipes for banana bread, and I looked at over 40 recipes. They're all pretty much the same, except a Cuban one. That was crazy. That's an all other sermon. I'm like, man, that's crazy. But when I read the, 
the ingredients and everything, the eggs and the flour and everything mixed together to make the flour. One of the last things you had to do, it says, was add banana. Obviously, if you want banana bread, you add what? Banana. So I was looking at all these ingredients. You know what I did not find in any one of these ingredients were the instructions telling you first, peel the banana, then add it. Not one of the instructions said that. Why? Because you say, well, pastor, duh, that is obvious. If it says add banana, I'm not about to get a little banana and say, okay. And then bake it and say, man, why is my banana bad? Why, why is this so bad? And you would tell, well, because you didn't peel it. And, I, and if I told you, well, the instructions didn't say to. Wouldn't you say, well, I don't know how God uses you. Keep preaching, stop baking. Keep preaching, stop baking. You would say, Pastor, obviously, if it says add banana, every person in the right mind knows you have to peel it. We say amen, right? Obvious. Say it with me. Obviously. Right? I peel the banana. Remove the peel, and then I add it to the flour. Mix it all in there. And believe me, the results are way better after it's been peeled than, it have, than if it didn't. My question to us as a church, because that's what God does. That flour is like the plans God has for your life. You know, the Bible says God works everything for good. So imagine like God is saying, I'm working the eggs, I'm working the water and the oil and the milk. I'm doing all of that. I'm working it all together and I'm preparing something for you. This is what your life looks like. God says, this is my plans for you. I'm working it all together. I'm calling you to do this. This is where you're going to be. These are the plans that I have for you. But before God can actually finish what he started, he takes little old you and says, we need to do some peace. And he says, girl, that attitude, you, you, you say you're ready for ministry, but you just get mad at people often so easy and have a temper. You know, you know, Maria, you want to be hospitality director, but girl, no, Maria had to do some peeling. Should have met Maria years ago. And look at her now. Give her a round of applause. She's doing great. Peel. Oh, you want to be in the worship team with Frank? But, but look at that little sin you have. Because sometimes you get saved and through the years you say, that's a sin? That's God saying, yeah, and it's time for it to go. And you say, well, but God, I, I'm, I'm ready. No, you're not. I, I got to take this off you. And you know those habits you have? Well, that's not a sin, yeah, but it's not going to work. Let me take that off you. And, and you know that mindset you have and that selfishness and, and every, all that, you know, I got to take it off you. And then God says, now I could use you. Now to get the best results because I can do it now, but if I don't peel you, 
It's going to be ugly. And that's what happens when people get in position too early. That's what happens when people get married too fast. That's what happens when you say, God, I want it now. And God says, I want to give it to you. It's in my plans. It's in the recipe. But I have to peel these layers off you that are not going to be conducive and fit my desires for you. So 40 years was a lot. 40 years didn't seem fair. 40 years was difficult for Moses. But those 40 years was God saying, I got to take off that pride, Moses. Moses, I got to take off that little sissy princess attitude you have, or prince, sorry. Moses, you know that little arrogance you have to think you can do things without me? We're going to work on that, Moses. And for 40 years, God was peeling My question to you, church, here or online, is if it's obvious for banana bread, why isn't it obvious that God has to remove things from our lives to use us? If it's obvious for banana bread, it should be obvious for process and sanctification. But we're like, I don't like it, though. I don't want it. I I want to keep this. You see, when I look at Moses... After he went through the process of peeling and peeling and peeling, that's when he began to hear the voice of God. Where was God in the 40 years silent? Because in the silence of God, you're definitely in the process. And you may not see God working, you may not hear God speaking. That's hard. But that's when you're in process. And Moses was there and for 40 years getting peeled. If you're honest with yourself, you can think about at least one thing in your character that God needs to start peeling away from you. You can probably think about a few things that need to be peeled from you to be a better spouse. You can think about some things you need to be peeled of to be a better leader in the church. There's things I need to be peeled from to be a better pastor. There's things you're going to be able to be peeled from to be a better co-worker. All of us need some things in our lives to go. Can I get a witness this morning? And if you're saying, not me, I'll help you. Your pride needs to be peeled. The fact that you're lying in church needs to be peeled. I got you there. The best thing about Moses, first and foremost, was that he got to know God. Moses knew of God in Egypt. He knew about God. Mom raised him in church. Moses went to Sunday school. Moses knew who God was. Moses knew who he was in the Lord. Moses knew everything about God. But isn't it interesting that even though Moses knew God, he never really experienced Him until after the process was over. Because I believe that many are in church, many are raised in church, 
Many have gone through the Sunday schools and the discipleship classes. Many go to church every Sunday. You're at Forward every Sunday. You listen to the sermons. You do all of that. You have the podcast. You read the books. You do all of that. You know scripture. You know about God. You know about Jesus. You can name the 12. You can do all of that. But that doesn't mean you're, you're experiencing God in your life. You know the devil knows God more than you do? You think he's experiencing God right now? The demons know Jesus, the Bible says. Do you think right now they're saved and they're experiencing the Lord? See, my fear is that we become so knowledgeable of God that we settle there and we have no desire to really experience Him. See, Moses went from knowing God in Egypt to growing in the desert to actually God say, now you can go and show everyone who I am. That's the know and the grow and the show. But many Christians stop at no. I'm fine with just knowing about the Lord. So pastor, feed me. Teach me. I'm fine with just knowing about Jesus. I'm fine memorizing scriptures. I'm fine quoting the Bible. I'm fine. I can tell you, I know that, I know that, I know that. But there's a lot of people in the church that know about Jesus that I can tell you right now aren't growing. You know a lot about God, but you're in the same sin. You know a lot about God, but you're still where you were 20 years ago. You know a lot about God, but you can't even say, I really have a close relationship with him. Moses went from knowing God to growing in God to being shown by God. And what frightens me as a pastor today in the culture we have in churches is that we have settled for this mentality that knowing about Jesus is enough. That's why Jesus said in the Bible that many on the day of death and judgment, they'll say, don't you know me? Because I know you. There's a lot of knowledgeable people dying and going to hell right now who know a lot about Jesus but haven't truly been born again and haven't really grown in the Lord. You see, even Paul settled this matter. He said in Philippians 3.10, Paul said, I want to know Christ. Let me pause right there. I want to know. Say it with me. I want to know. I want to know Christ. How many of you, that word know doesn't mean to have a relationship with Jesus. That word in the Greek is gnosko. It literally means to have knowledge of. So every Christian in their right mind would say, yeah, I want to know more about Jesus too. How many of you want to know God more in your life? All of us, I hope. I hope there's no one that says, no, I know everything. Paul said, I want to know Christ. Was Paul saved when he said this? Yes. He was saved. He's writing a letter to the Philippian church. He was saved. But even Paul said, even though I'm saved, I want to know Jesus. I want to know more about him. I want to grow more. I want to know. Gnosko, I want to know more of him. But notice how he separates the word and. And, say it with me, and experience the mighty power that raised him. Did you notice something interesting? That Paul separated knowing Jesus from experiencing his power? Can we just go right now? Because Paul made a distinction here. He said, listen, church, you can know Jesus and not experience him. 
And Paul said, as for me, I want to know him. I want to experience him. And I believe that as a church, at least at Forward, we have this mentality that we want to know more about Jesus. But pastor, I want to also experience him because there's a lot of Christians that know Jesus, but I can tell you are not truly experiencing him right now. It's God. I don't, I don't know the last time I felt God in my life. I don't know the last time I heard God speak to me. I don't know the last time I felt his presence. Because you know Jesus, but you're not experiencing him. You say, well, pastor, why? Paul tells us. He says, I want to know Christ. And experience his power. That raised him from the dead. I also want what? To suffer with him because Paul knew like Moses you can know the Lord and you can experience the Lord but in order to experience the Lord you have to want to suffer how many want to suffer But see, the Christians that know God and experience God can tell you I've suffered. I have lost friends. I have lost habits. I have lost sins. I have lost time. I have lost a lot to get to where I'm at with God. That's the difference, Paul said. But Paul separated it. I want to know Jesus. I want to experience Jesus. And I want to suffer for it. If Paul would have said this in the church today, they would say, no, 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 knowing him is fine. We don't want to suffer because we want to experience God. We don't want to suffer for it. I want to experience God, but don't ask me to give anything up. Don't peel me, Lord. I'll experience you, but don't ask me to give up this life. Don't ask me to give this up. Don't you dare peel this banana Paul said, you got to suffer. Why did Moses experience God? Because he suffered for 40 long years. Being a Christian means suffering. If you all suffered this morning to get up and go to church, you're on your way. You know the people that aren't the empty chairs? You know who those are? The ones that say, I'm not suffering today and getting up. I want to stay at home. Comfortable. Paul said both. You can know Jesus and not experience him. And if you want to experience Jesus, you're going to want to suffer. And it scares me when I preach something like this because I think that more than, I would say 80% of the churches today in America only want to know of God but not experience him. And if you tell them you want to experience God, they'll say yes. And they think experiencing God is through fogs and lights and a beautiful atmosphere of church service. No. It's suffering. That's why I love our church. Yeah, it's small. Yeah, there's... It's not like, wow, what a, whoa, look at that. There's a hole up there. <laughs> it's crazy. But you know what I love about our church? Not only are you going to know God here, you're going to experience Him. 
But you know why? You know why, though? You know why? Because I believe there are very few churches like ours that have suffered like ours. We've gone through it. I was telling someone yesterday about all of our struggles, struggles in church, and he was like, you're still open? I'm like, yeah. You're still pastoring. Oh, yeah. Still got the same sheep. 40 years, like Moses, 40 years. I'll do it for 40 years more. Maybe not with you, but I'll do it. <laughs> but you know what's scary? Luke chapter 8, verse 45, frightening verse. I know it's a verse about miracles and a woman gets healed from her issues and all that. But this was when that woman with an issue of blood for 12 years, she presses through the crowd. You guys heard this. I preached this story. She goes through the crowd and, and Jesus says, who touched me? And notice what the disciple says. Jesus asked everyone and he, they denied it. And Peter, little Peter, said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. You know what Jesus said there? You can be in the crowd. You could be pressing up against me. But what's scary about this verse is only one person in the entire crowd experienced the power of Jesus. The entire crowd was there. Jesus, Jesus, yeah, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah, and they're touching him. And you know what happened to that crowd? They went home. Nothing happened. Do you want that for your life? Do you want to go to church and say, oh, Jesus, yeah, Jesus, Jesus is awesome, and go back home and say, what happened in church? Same old, same old. Only one experienced his power. So we can be a church that crowds up with people and shouts Jesus and looks all charismatic and wild and go home and nothing changed except this one woman who sincerely touched him to a point that she experienced Jesus, that it changed her life forever. And that's what I want to see God do in this church. I want to see people come and say, I have had, I have known God, but now I've experienced Him. So when I look at the life of Moses, I see someone that went from knowing of God to experiencing God to stepping up and showing people God. Where are those people at? And here's why. Quickly, three things. It has to occur in your life to go from knowing God to growing in God to actually living a life that shows God. Number one is found in verse 31. In the burning bush, that whole little story of the burning bush has three simple steps. Not simple, sorry Lord, not simple at all. That I guarantee if you do, you'll go from just knowing the Lord to experiencing Him. You guys want that for your life? Get ready to get mad at me. Ready? Verse 31. When Moses saw it, burning bush, number one, he was what? He was amazed. Can I ask you something? How many bushes burn in the desert? 
A lot. There's something about this one that caught his attention. The first thing that has to happen for you to experience God in your life is he needs to amaze you again. That word amaze means to literally grab your attention. You know why you're not experiencing the Lord like you used to? Because he doesn't have your attention like he used to. He no longer grabs your attention like you used to. You know what grabs your attention now? Work. You know what grabs your attention now? Sleeping. You know what grabs your attention now? Pleasure. You know what grabs your attention now? Netflix. Television. Friends. Laundry. Oh, that laundry. How can you experience God if you're not even paying attention to Him? Oh, but church, I go to church Sunday. I'm not talking about that. The devil comes to church every Sunday here. He's in the sound room. <laughs> every Sunday, well, there he is. What I'm talking about saying, does God really amaze you? Or has he become just familiar? Because you know what happens to Christians? We become so familiar with church and Pastor David and worship and Wednesday night Bible study and Cuban bread back in the day and we become so familiar with all of that and familiar and familiar and familiar that it no longer grabs you. You get kind of just common with it. It's just common to come to forward now. It's just common to see Pastor David. It's just common to be with everyone. It's just common. And if, as long as God is common, as long as you're no longer amazed to the point that he doesn't grab your attention anymore like other things in your life do, you will never truly experience the power of Jesus in your life. That's why God tells the church in Revelation, go back and do the things you used to if you lost your first love for me. How do you know God doesn't amaze you anymore? You want to know? In one second, I can tell you right now. You guys ready? If you can speak of God's power in past tense only, you are not amazed by him. If you can say, well, I remember when, or I used to feel his power. Oh, I used to. I'm going to tell you right now because I love you. You are not amazed by him. If all you can talk about is what he did back then, you are not amazed by him. As a Christian, you can be like, man, today I'm amazed by God. Because I spent time with him in his word. Because I was there. Because I can know what God is doing in my life. But the honest truth is, a lot of people in church are no longer amazed by God. We're more amazed with this world. And the things of this world that grabs our attention, but it's no longer a thing where where God really grabs you. Like all the other things in this world grabs you. That's why in the Bible, Jesus goes to his hometown. He does a few miracles, and the Bible says that everyone was amazed. It says it in the book of Mark, chapter 6, he said, they were amazed. But then one of them said, Notice, he returned to, with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown, verse 2. He said, on the Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard were what? Say it with me. Were amazed. Wow. Oh, Jesus. Wow. You remember those days? 
I love it because when I see a new believer, they're like, did you tell Pastor David something about me? Wow, how did he know? Because it's the power of God. And you're like, wow. I better watch what I do. David knows everything. They were amazed. But then they asked, where, where did he get all this wisdom and power to perform these miracles? In verse 3, he says, they scoffed. It's just the carpenter's son. It's just Jesus, you know, Mary's son. It's just, and they kind of familiarized him. Oh, it's Jesus. Yeah, he's familiar. I remember him. We went to school together. Yeah, same elementary school. You know, we, we know Jesus. We went to Nazareth Elementary School. We grew up with the guy down in the hood. We know Jesus. We know him. They got familiar, didn't they? Verse 4. Jesus told them, a prophet has no honor except in his own town, among his relatives, in his own family. Verse 5. Because of their unbelief, he could not do any mighty miracles among them except to place his hands on a few. You want God to say, I, can, I can't do much in your life? You want that for your life? You want God to say, I can only do few things, I can't really do much? then don't make him familiar. Go back to what you used to do. Be amazed by him. The second, if Moses was never amazed, who knows what would have been of his life? But verse 31 tells us he was amazed. He was so amazed that something naturally happens when God gets your attention again. Number two, verse 31 again. Verse 31 of, of Acts, the Bible says, When Moses saw it, he was what? Amazed. Amazed at the sight. And as he went to take a what? Closer look. You know what happens when God amazes you again? You know what happens when he has your attention again? You naturally have a desire to get closer to him. You get closer to him. But notice, i got to be honest with you about this. I can go on and make you feel good, but I'm not. Listen, Moses made the choice to get closer. God did not. Because the book of James, chapter 4, 8, says, Come close to God, and I will come close to you. It's not the other way around, because you determine in your life how close you want to be to Jesus. That's your decision. Some people, I don't want to be that close. Others say, I want to be close. But God is not going to force closeness on you. He's not going to force you and make you. He say, you're going to be close to me. God says, you don't want to be close. I'll find someone that does. Moses said, I got to get closer. Maybe you're in church today and the Holy Spirit is going, huh? Huh? Not poked. Hey, that's you. You got to start saying, hey, I got to get closer to the Lord. Maybe you got to talk to your wife and say, hey, we need to get closer to God. You need to talk to your children. Hey, we need to get closer as a family to God. But it was Moses' decision to get close. And when he got close, 
Did you notice in verse 31, when he got close, that's when God spoke? As he took a closer look, the voice of the Lord. Why? Because God can be heard only when you're close to him. That's when he heard God speak. If you're like, why is God so quiet? How close are you to him? It's your choice. Let me illustrate this one for you. I want to confess something to you. I'm not perfect, but I have a bad habit in my life. You want to know what it is? Barry, put that picture up. This is a bad habit. My mom's been praying for me for years about this. That is my office. These great sermons are brought to you by coffee. I'm a coffee addict. Straight black. I'm a man. (laughs) I like it. I have a problem. I leave coffee cups everywhere. My mom tried to fix it. Disposable. They would just throw it in the trash. I'm a messy person because I'm a man. Listen, I leave disposable coffee cups, mom, tell them, everywhere. Everywhere. But this week, it so happens that this is my clean desk, by the way. And as I was studying, I noticed something interesting. As I looked at my desk, there was one coffee cup that stood out to me. They're all the same. Same brand of coffee, same coffee, same styrofoam, same everything. But you know what I noticed and why this one stood out? Because it was closer to my lamp. And I said to myself, wait a minute. You're the same as all the other cups. Why are you so different? If this coffee cup can talk, I say, oh, it's only because I'm close to the lamp. And then when I, when I kind of looked back, I saw some in the middle. They had a little light to them, but behind them, it was kind of dim and dark. And then I looked further back, and there were some completely in the dark. And I said, my goodness, this is Church. We're all the same in God's eyes. No one's better than anyone else. But you see why other Christians stand out more and God can use them more and God can bless them more? It's not because God favors them and they're better than you. No, it's because they have made a choice to get close to the Lord. And because they're so close to God, like the lamp, it shows in their life. But then you have these other Christians that want to be in the middle. And they say, well, I want to be in the Lord, but I kind of want to be in the world. And and I kind of like want both. I'll go to church, but I'm also going to be a little worldly. I'll go and pray, and I'll worship, and I'll read my Bible, but I'm going to have my sin, and I'm going to be like the world. And you're going to want to do both. 
You're in the middle right now. One day you're holy, the next you're flesh. Then you're flesh, then you're holy. You say, Lord, forgive me, and you do it again. Lord, I repent, and you're back to it again. You're back and forth and forth and back with God in the world, and you're in the middle. And then there are other believers that are completely in the dark, that think they're saved, but they're not. They just know Jesus. And you know what's interesting about this? If you look closely, on this side you can see light, but behind them you can see darkness. And behind the cups in the middle, they look exactly like the cups in the dark. That's why people that are lost want nothing to do with God because they keep looking at Christians in the middle and say they're just like us. But if these cups can see this, they would say, why are they different? I want that. And all the cups can say is, you need Jesus. <laughs> this is what it looks like. And we abandon this. That's why it's your choice how close you're going to be. Going back to James 4.8. says, come close to God. Let's close with this verse. Come close to God. Maybe God is saying, hey, you need to get close to me again. And I will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is what? It's divided between God and the world. God says, you're divided. You're split in two. That's what that word means. You're you're between God and the world. And God says, if you would just get closer to me, you would experience my light, my power. That once you do this, I can then say, now I can show the world me through you. But it can't happen if you're in the middle. And sadly, that's where many Christians are today. Between God and the world, and the world and God, and they want God and they want the world. They want to bring the world into God, into church, And God says, it's not going to happen. At least not in this church today. And when Moses got closer to God, after he was amazed, he said, okay, you got my attention, God. And Moses got closer, and he got so close, for the first time ever in his life, he heard the voice of God. Can you imagine what that would have sounded like? And Moses, for the first time, knew God wasn't done with him. He said, Moses, I'm not done with you. You just needed to go through the process. And now that you're closer to me, now I can begin to reveal myself to you. Now I can speak to you. See, God is getting ready to reveal himself to you and speak to you only after you make the choice to say, I'm going to get close to God again. And when Moses got close, God spoke. In verse 33, this is what happens. You go from knowing God to growing in God for God's sake, now I can show you. 
But Moses had to be amazed by God. He had to choose to get closer to God. And then something more difficult happened. The Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for you're standing on holy grounds. You know what God tells him? Moses, now that I've amazed you, now that you're closer to me, there are things in your life you got to take off. Those sandals don't belong in this holy ground. See, when you get so close to God, that's when he begins to strip you and peel you and take things off. And those sandals, you better believe they were comfortable. You better believe, Moses said, but I like these sandals. You better believe that the devil says, don't you do that. Stay. But God says, listen, if you want to know what I got for you, you got to take some things off, Moses. Those sandals were a part of your life for 40 years. But it's time to take it off. Some of you, you've had the same issue, the same sin, the same habit. And God says, if you get close to me, you're going to see how quickly that comes off you. And God said, because you're standing in the presence of a holy God. The word holy means set apart. And the Bible says in the book of Peter, to be holy because God is holy. It means that because we serve a holy God that is set apart and we're called to be set apart, there are things in your life that need to come off because they don't belong in the holiness of God. So you need to take off like those sandals. Take off bad attitudes you got comfortable with. Take off bad habits you got accustomed to. Take off lifestyles you think is fine. What if God would tell you right now, take it off? What are you going to tell him? But Moses had to take it off. And when he finally took it off, God said, now... Go. See, when Moses grabbed the attention of God by God grabbing the attention of Moses, and when Moses got close enough to God to be able to hear God's direction to take some things off, when God finally said, now, it was God saying to him, now the process is over. Now I can use you. Now I can bless you. Now I can open doors for you. But if I would never been amazed by you, if you never would have gotten close to me, and if you would have kept those sandals on, you would have just stayed knowing of me, but never experiencing me. You want to experience God's power in your life? You need to move from just knowing of Him to experience Him. You're saying, Pastor, I want it. Begin to say, Lord, forgive me. You don't have my attention. I am not amazed by you like I used to be. But Lord, I want to get closer. So I'm going to get up earlier. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray through the night. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to get closer. And Lord, as I get closer, remove from me the things that are not honorable and holy to be used by you again. Let me pray for you now. Every head bow, every eye closed.
Are you amazed by God? You've grown up in the church. You've read the stories. You're a member of Forward. But what I'm asking you is, are you amazed by God? Does He grab your attention? Or have things in this world grabbed you? How close are you to God now? If you can say in the past tense, I used to be closer, then you are not amazed by God. And today, like Moses, you need to make the choice to say, I'm not going to settle for just knowing God. I need to experience Him. And you can only experience God by making the choice to get close to Him again. In fellowship with the Holy Spirit. In fellowship with God. But be warned that when you get close to God and the light finally shines on you, the darkness begins to strip away. And that's when God begins to say, take it off. Take it off. It doesn't belong here anymore. You got comfortable, Moses, with those sandals. You love those little sandals. But those sandals can't go where I'm taking you. Take them off. Moses didn't excuse it, didn't justify it. He took it off. And that's when the God said, now. I want to hear God say now in your life. Now. Father, I pray for every person here today. Open the hearts. If you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, God doesn't amaze me. But I want to get closer to Him. You just put that hand up. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm going to call you out. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. All around the room, you say, I just want to get close again because I want my family to get close to God, but it starts with me. Just begin to ask the Lord to forgive you for having such an amazing God, but yet not being amazed by Him. For having other things grab your attention and make the decision today and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my ungrateful attitude towards the Almighty God. Forgive me for not being amazed. But today, Lord, just say it from your heart, today, Lord, I'm choosing, not perfectly, but I'm going to make this choice to get closer to you little by little. And Lord, I know that in order for me to get closer to you, there's some sandals that need to come off. So Lord, take these sandals off me that no longer belong in my life, that are going to hinder my walk. And help me to be holy like you, Lord. Father, I pray for every soul here today, for every Christian listening here right now in the present or online right now, God. I pray that we get off the middle, get off the half and half and the God in the world and the world in God and make the decision to move closer to the light, closer to you, Lord, so that the world sees us and sees the difference in us. Peel us, Lord so that we can walk like Moses in your voice, in your direction, and in your destiny. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Give God some praise today if you were blessed by the Lord today.
Amen. And amen. God bless you guys. I hope you guys were blessed by that word today. Make the choice to get closer to the Lord. Get out of the middle so you can go from knowing to growing to going. How many want that for your life?